Praise the Lord, everyone. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Me and my wife were talking this afternoon when we left Brother and Sister Riggins, and we're just honored that we've got to, to meet them, be here. We're just totally honored to be here, believe it or not. Praise the Lord. You know, we appreciate and love them. Man, you are so blessed to have them, that's for sure. God really loves this church. Praise the Lord. Now, we're probably not going to hang from the chandeliers tonight. And uh, we're probably not going to hoop and holler. But I'm going to preach what I feel like the Lord laid upon my heart early, early, early this morning. Praise the Lord. If you have a Bible, as you turn to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1, verse 3. Amen. Praise the Lord. I feel like we'll have a rock-solid move of the Holy Ghost tonight. The Bible says, And they said unto me, The remnant that are left of the captivity there in the providence are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also is broken down, and the gates there are are burned with fire. Sweet Lamb of God, thank you for all those precious anointed songs. Thank you for your presence here tonight. Thank you what you're going to do here in these next few minutes. Help me to do my very best and help your people to respond to your word and not me, God. We'll praise you and thank you and glorify you. Put your Bibles down and praise him just one more time before you be seated. Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Thank you. You can be seated this, this evening. I'd like to preach eight steps to revival. Eight steps to revival. When God's kingdom is in ear repair and disarray, the true heroes of the kingdom cannot rest. Did you hear me? Let others exist in apathy and let others, friend of mine, just sit around with their complacency. But the true heroes of the kingdom arise. Praise God. I said they arise to the service and prepare to make a difference. Is anybody here tonight prepared to make a difference here at New Life Apostolic Church? Is anybody really ready to make a difference in this apostolic church. Now God showed me some people today in prayer. He, he showed me a, a couple of people today in prayer and he said they could care less about revival. He said they could care less about this church growing. He said that they said when it's time to pray, they sit and talk. And he said they could care less. They are unconcerned. They don't care if the church grows. They come because it's expected of them to be here. He showed me that today, early this morning, Elder, when I was praying. And it was really bothering to me. It was bothersome to me. 
And this is where this grew from this morning, praise God. While King David's language in his iniquity, a true hero of the kingdom named Uriah, he slept in the cold on the doorstep saying, how can I go to the comfort of my home with my bride while my brothers are sleeping in tents await for the approaching battle? I see Mordecai anxiously pacing across the floor before the young beautiful queen saying don't think that you will escape Esther when Haman unsheathed the sword of slaughter. It's time for you to do something and you know if you don't praise God that God is going to do something uh, he'll raise somebody else up Esther. Whether it was a casual conversation or, or expedient dispatch, the message came to Nehemiah. The walls of the city of Jerusalem, Jerusalem lay in ruin. When the king noticed the distress of the heart, he inquired of Nehemiah and had no other prerogative but to answer, why should not my countenance be sad? When the city, the place of my father's sepulchers, lie waste and the gates there are consumed with fire. Is there anybody here today uh, whose sadness is, come on now, whose countenance is saddened uh, when the baptismal waters uh, are not even troubled? Uh, is anybody saddened by that? Uh, is anybody's heart heavy uh, when your altars uh, are laying bare? Uh, come on. Is anybody's spirit troubled uh, when they see the spiritual decay uh, of your city, uh, Olathe, Kansas? Uh, is anybody troubled? Uh? Is anybody, come on now, is anybody troubled? Is your trouble, is your soul troubled and smitten uh, when you re woo? When you see the approach of the sin that's in prison today's society. It bothers me. Where are the warriors uh, that will retrieve the presence of God? Where are you at today? Uh, where are the strong going to stand up before the wicked declare, uh, I will not allow you uh, to destroy my people. Where are the heroes like Nehemiah that say, I will not rest uh, until God's kingdom uh, is restored? Come on, somebody. Come on, God's trying to talk to this church. God's kingdom is afflicted in reproach. Jerusalem is reproached because the walls uh, were down. Uh, it was the walls that caused Israel uh, to retain their distinctness. It was the walls that protected God's people from the pagan practices and the lewd promiscuous culture. Reproach just simply means disgraceful. Betrayals. Too many see the existing walls that we have built around the church. Come on. Too many, too many, too many people see the existing walls. Come on, that the pastor builds around the church. Pray
praise God, unnecessary uh, restriction, uh, constricted bondage, but it's not. That's what keeps our distinctiveness. Uh, that's what keeps the enemy uh, out. Walls that God's put around this church. Come on, the walls that God's put around this church. Because one man laying, come on, on the wall. Come on, talking to God, saying, God, uh, come on, help my people. Uh, God, this is what's keeping our distinction. Uh, God, this is what's keeping our godly identity. Uh, God, help my people to see uh, that these walls are restrictions. Uh, but they're just barriers uh, to keep the enemy at bay. Once Israel lost its walls, church, they were disgraced by unholy yokes and unsanctified marriages until they lost their identity. We cannot lose our identity this hour that we're in. And I've heard people say, we don't want the walls. Uh, we don't want the rules. We don't want the restrictions. Uh, all we want to do is just please ourselves. Uh, but we're supposed to be pleasing to God. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that should show forth the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Church, we need a restoration of righteousness. We need a restoration of the fear of God. Too many of us don't fear God. We need a restoration of apostolic ministry. We need a restoration of apostolic authority. We need a restoration of apostolic power. Apostolic power. Too many of us are surviving on stale bread. The first step is dissatisfaction with the present. That's step number one. And they said unto me, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the providence are in great affliction and reproach. The walls of Jerusalem are also broken down. Come on, and the gates there are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept. You know what? We don't weep where we worship at church. We don't weep anymore where we worship, do we? We just come down and get that good feel. But we need to be worse. We need to be weeping where we worshiping at. I said we need to be weeping where we worship at. I said we need to be weeping where we worship at. Come on, does it bother anybody when you see the decay uh, of your city and all the people? Uh, Rachel, where are you tonight? When's the last time you cried out, Rachel? Give me children uh, or else I die. Or do you just accepted the circumstance, Rachel, and resigned uh, to an empty womb? Where are you at tonight, Rachel? Where are you at tonight, Rachel?
When's the last time you got so disgusted with yourself and with your prayer and that you prayed, God, whatever you got to do, change me. Whatever you got to do, God, change me. I haven't wanted a soul in a long time and I hate it. I should be doing more. I can't stand it. Leo seal, you're here tonight. And God's got a message for you. You say you're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But I say you better get disgusted with yourself before you come so nauseous uh, that he spews you uh, out of his mouth. Came to pass when I sat down. Came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Hello, somebody. Come on. If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray, and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land it's not ability and talent or finances that's going to turn this town upside down but it's going to happen when somebody gets so desperate they pray it's George Whitfield give me souls or take my life There's an evil adversary who's attempting to lay shambles to the kingdom of God right here in Olathe, Kansas. If somebody could be moved to pray, then God would shut the mouth of our opponents and the critics uh, like he shut the, the mouth of the lions. Uh, if somebody would just be moved, friend of mine, uh, come on to pray, then God would set in battlement against the spirit uh, of oppression and fear uh, just like he did for Israel. Uh, the effects with prayer of a righteous man uh, availeth by. Come on, that was number two. If my people which were called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. Number three is the willingness to repent. Let thine ear now be attentive and thine eye open that thou mayest hear the prayer of thy servant. Which I pray before thee now day and night for the children of Israel thy servant. And confess the sins of the children of Israel which we have sinned against thee both I and my father's house have sinned. The word confess comes from a Hebrew word which just means the bemoan or the wringing of the hand. If there was ever a time that the church needs to put aside their phoniness and their hypocrisy and the wringing of their hands and come to God in general repentance, it's right now. It's right now. He that had an ear, let him hear what's, come on now. Let him hear what the Spirit said to the churches. What did he say, what did he say, what did the Spirit say to the seven churches? To all of them, he said, repent. 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 Number four, return to the Word. Number four, return to the Word. 
a church that gives into charismatic spirit of compromise uh, and bandits the doctrine of God's word uh, is a church that'll be scattered. In the last day, men will not endure sound doctrine. Take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine continuing them. For in doing this thou shalt both save thyself. Come on, and them that hear thee. Them that hear thee. Did you hear that? God would gather men to a church that's, come on, withheld the sanctity of his name. We heard that. Elder told us all about that. How God was going to give miracles and pour his spirit out for the church that hadn't, come on, changed itself and tried to blend and compromise. Come on. You know what? This man of God's not trying to build a number here. This man of God's trying to build a church here. Come on. Come on, somebody. Number five, return to the fear of the Lord. Oh, Lord, I beseech thee now. I beseech thee, let now thine ear be attended to the prayer of thy servant, to the prayer of thy servants who desire to fear thy name and prosper. Come on, the youth of our day needs a rebaptism of the fear of God. I said the youth of our day, our apostolic youth, and I'm not picking on the apostolic youth, but I'm telling you as an overall of our youth, they need to be baptized with the fear of God. Why do we go through life so concerned about our own soul? Much less souls of others. Uh, why we? Come on now, I'll tell you why. Because we've lost the fear of God. Why is it when a message about hell is preached that we can sit without so much as a whimper? We've lost the fear of God. If God would restore old-fashioned fear of God in the church, we could see revival. Talking to you. <laughs> Nehemiah said, Those that fear the Lord would prosper. When you begin to look at that word and study that word out, prosper, it actually means to break out, to go over. Number six, a desire to separate ourselves from the life that you have now. For I was a king's cupbearer. Nehemiah, upon these completion of these six steps, began to witness a sovereign move of God. The Lord caused the king to send letters of authority with Nehemiah. And God used pagan, sinful kings to provide the necessary supplies and the material to Nehemiah. 
I'm telling you, when God's on your side, you got favor. I said, when God's on the side, come on, your side, the church's side, you got favor. If you just realize how much favor that you really had, praise God, you wouldn't have a problem doing what you know you're supposed to do. Where the word of a king is, there's power. Come on. Come on. Not only did the king send his word, but he gave Nehemiah a letter, but he provided him with captains, friend of mine, and horsemen. You know how end time revival is going to continue here at New Life Pentecostal Church? God's going to speak it. He's already promised it. But you know what? We sit here and just act like God don't want to do it. God would declare his word. I said God would declare his word. He would dispatch captains and horsemen of angelic host to carry it through. Number seven, the church must discover the strength in unity. Then I told them of the hand of my God which was good upon me it's also the king's word that he had spoken to me. And they said, let us arise and build. So we strengthen our hands for this good work. You know, the word strengthen actually just means they fastened upon or they seized the opportunity to do something. We've got to seize the opportunity while the fire is hot. While God is trying to move, you've got to seize this opportunity, this season. I told you God had already opened up a door for this church, but some of you didn't believe that. Some of you sit here on your fear. Some of you sit here on your anxiety. Some of you sit here with your unconcern. And you're un oh, come on now. You know what David said to his brethren? He said, if you want to hide in the shadows and act like a bunch of cards, then that's your business. But I'm going to fasten upon something here, and I'm going to seize the moment. He said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that should defile the army of the living God? He said, is there not a cause? Churches are not a call. Churches are not a call. Who's going to seize this opportunity tonight? Does anybody here want to fast and beyond? Come on. For revival. Does anybody have faith enough to seize the opportunity uh, that's before you? <sighs> it's time that somebody reopen the gates of sacrifice. 
sheep gate was the gate that the worshipers came through when they brought sacrifice to a place to put upon the altar. To have apostolic revival, somebody's going to have to rebuild the sheep gate or the gate of sacrifice. Come on, I said, or the gate of sacrifice. Simon Peter said, we've forsaken all to follow thee. It's time that we start forsaking some things and say, I'm going to seize upon the opportunity of this revival. I've got lost friends. I've got lost families. I've got lost co-workers. I said the other night, somebody could ignite a fire and go back on your job and have apostolic revival. Mary, she broke open her alabaster box and poured it all on the master. You know what actually she was doing? She broke it. In other words, she could put nothing back in it. She come down and give her all. She gave her all. Come on, I said she came down and she gave her all. It wouldn't hurt for some of you to break your alabaster boxes tonight and come down and give God your all. I said, come down and give God your all tonight. Jesus told that young, expiring, rich lawyer one time, go and sell all and give it to the poor and follow me. He had already did all these other things, but friend, he just could not give it up, could he? The book of Acts Church sold all their possessions and gave it to the work of God. While we sit here so happy gobbling up the word of God, you've got a dying town called Olathe, Kansas that needs a church in revival where marriages can be put back together, where the alcoholic can be delivered, the drug addict can find friend of mine a deliverance, uh, where people that's oppressed and depressed, uh, those friend of mine that's struggling, uh, where the harlot can be made clean and whole. Uh, but we sit here in our comfortable confine, uh, in an air-conditioned church, uh, good padded pews, uh, while the world's going to hell. I'm concerned. I'm concerned. They give it all to the work of God, and there's folks in the modern day church who cannot consistently even pay their tithing. And offerings. Ten thousand souls was added to a church because of one message. One message. You got the message and you don't want to even take it to come on to Alatha. I mean, people we stood in behind at Walmart, and they're dying. They're going to a devil's hell. Hell's not growing, but hell. I mean, heaven's not growing, but hell is. The Bible says it's largely. You know why? You know why? Does anybody know why? Because the church of the living God is sitting and not doing nothing. That's why, that's why hell is as large in itself daily.
As we sit here in a beautiful building, beautiful building, smile at one another, love upon each other. It won't even take this message that God give you out there to a dying world that needs it. Come on, God just said somebody's rejecting this message already. You've already rejected what's been said. No sooner had Israel restored the sheep gate of Jerusalem than the next thing that materialized was the fish gate. Jesus told us that we were fishers of men. But it looks like the church of the living God has become fishers of themselves. While they could gobble up the message and do nothing with it. I believe there's a clear message that come through the Lord in Nehemiah chapter 3. If the church will prepare the sacrifice, then God said, I'll fill the nets. So abundantly, you'll have to have a huge mammoth gate to take them all in. Eight steps to revival. When you get there, you'll get the enemy to talking. But it came to pass when Samballot heard that we building the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the Jews. And he spanked before his brethren in the army of Samaria and said, What do these feeble Jews? Will they fortify themselves, the people that do know their God will be strong and do exploits? We're going to fortify ourselves. We're going to have to sacrifice more than we ever have before, church. We'll make an end of the day. That was the enemy asking, will you ever quit? Come on, some of us done quit. Will you revive the stones out of the heap of the rubbish which are burned? Listen, when Nehemiah began to rebuild the walls, he did not use new stones, but he reached into the rubble and he pulled out the burned over, broken down blocks and stones of the past. As God restores revival to the church of the end time generation, he's not going to use those who of a spouse, new doctrines and new gospels. But he's going to reach down and pick up some stones that's been scorched by the time. By the fires of opposition. Come on now. And adversity. And the soot of weariness. And the ashes of yesterday's unfulfilled dreams may stain the stones of today's work. Uh, but there's going to be Restoration. Come on, somebody, reach out to the Lord.
listen to me, church. People here in this church who feel like your usefulness has already expired and that your value to the kingdom has diminished, God's going to use you to thrust revival in the last day. Will God revive the burn stones? My answer is yes, yes, yes. God, I wish everybody could have been here tonight. 52 days, 42 working parties restored a 50-foot high wall the circumference of four miles at the rate of 504 feet per day. You know why? They had a mind to work. They had a mind to work. Church, God's trying to talk to you. God's trying to stir this apostolic church. What's alarming to me is this is your season. When I got here, man, I seen so many things in the spirit. When I got here and I seen God doing so many good things in this church. But some of you just come here and you've gotten stale and you've gotten comfortable and you've gotten used to where you're at and you don't want to go forward in God and God is trying his best to get the church out of the walls and he's doing his best to do it with you and some of you won't even do it. So we built the wall. I wish we could be like this church. So we built a wall, and all the wall was joined together to half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. Do you hear me? Because the people had a mind to work. Don't worry about the issues that, and the things that those sand ballots and the Tobias come on, uh, uh, come into church with. Just know that you got the right word. Just know you got the message. God give you the message when you were baptized in the name of Jesus. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Speaking other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. He give you the message. Eight steps to revival. Man, if you'll take these eight steps, there's nothing to hold this church back from having revival. Somebody, somebody tonight. I'm going to open this altar up tonight. But this is not a night to come down here and feel sorry for yourself. This is a night to come down here and consecrate and say, God, you've given me the message. I won't set no more, Lord. God, I won't quit till I have me a visitor sitting beside me. Come on. I will not quit, God, till I bring somebody in here with me. Come on, church. It's left up to you now.
Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. God, let this be God etched in our hearts tonight, Lord. God, let this be etched in our hearts and our spirits tonight, God. Let it tonight, God. God, this church has got to have revival. God, this church has got to have revival. God, this church has got to reach this town. This is a town of over 100,000, God, and there's thousands of people out there that need what we got, Lord. We're just waiting for a church to be in revival. They're just waiting for a church to sacrifice at the gate. Somebody needs to sacrifice something tonight. Somebody's going to have to sacrifice something tonight. Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Write somebody on your heart tonight. God, I won't take it off. I won't quit, Lord, till I see them sitting beside me. I won't stop, I won't give in, I won't throw the towel in.
lift our hands and love the Lord right now. Let's love the Lord. Let's love the Lord. Oh, God. Oh, God. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. message the elder turned and looked at Brother Garrett and he said he said there's a spirit of selfishness in this church and he said if you don't get it out he said you're going to drive by one day you'll see the church abandoned and he said you're going to look at it and say that's where God used to meet with his people and Elder Garrett made this statement he said I was upset I was upset he said I was not upset that the man of God said it I was upset that it had to be said It didn't bother me that he said it. I wanted him to say whatever he felt God put on his heart. It bothered me that the church had reached a place where God had to say that to them. That's the way I'm feeling here tonight, church. I appreciate the man of God just telling us what he feels in the Holy Ghost. I'm going to tell you, I I take preaching very, very seriously. I take it very seriously. This is important. It's important. I'm going to tell you, it's preaching that saves us. Now, Now look, we often, we often allow the world to misconstrue what the book of Romans is really talking about. Romans was not written to sinners. And so many people want to take that book and apply it to sinners. And it is not for sinners. It has nothing to do with sinners. It's written 
to the saints at Rome. And he starts talking about how are you going to be saved without a preacher? He's not, he's not talking to the sinners. He's talking to the church. When, when he wrote when he wrote to the church at Corinth and, and he said that God's chosen the foolishness of preaching to save, he wasn't writing to sinners. He's writing to the church and notice what he said not to save the unbeliever but God chose the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Look, I'm going to tell you the church world the church world has gotten to the point that preaching doesn't matter anymore. And so many so-called Pentecostal churches they don't care about preaching they don't want preaching. Let's just have a feel-good service. Let's just, you know, let's, let's dance and hoop a little bit. And let's not worry about preaching. But I'm telling you, the Bible says that preaching saves them that believe. We got to have it, saints of God. I've got to have preaching. I've got to have preaching. We all need it. And I thank God. Anytime God cares enough about us to send someone our way to really talk to us. I want us to take this message to heart. And I want us to do something about it. I want us to make some changes in our life. I want us to shake off a spirit of complacency. Listen, there's nothing more important than seeing the lost saved. There's nothing more important than that. Nothing. Nothing. Now, now the Lord, the Lord took stripes on his back for our healing. I know that. But he didn't die for our healing. Did you hear what I said? His death was not about healing our mortal bodies. His death was about saving the lost. That was his mission. He said, I am come to seek and to save that which was lost. And we get so wrapped up in so many other things that are really so unnecessary. I'm telling you, one of the biggest things I battle in Africa, in Africa of all places, in Africa of all places is the prosperity gospel. And they're so hung up on God's going to make us rich. God's going to make us rich. I'm telling you, he didn't die to make us rich. He died to save us. And it's all about miracles. And it's all about, and, and I believe in those things. But that's not the focus. Jesus said, these signs shall follow them. Not they shall follow after these signs. Our number one focus has got to be doing what the master came here to do. He said, I don't even have a house. He said, even the foxes have got holes. The birds have got nests. I don't even have a place to lay my head. He didn't come for that. He came to save the lost. That's got to be our primary goal. 
our primary focus. And it needs to bother us when our altars are empty. When our baptismal tank's not being used, it ought to bother us. It ought to bother us. Because I know you've got needs, but you hear me. If God has saved you, if God has filled you with the Holy Ghost and you've been baptized in His name, whatever problem you've got is not nearly as important as the problem the sinner has. That's the thing that ought to drive us and that's the thing that ought to motivate us. Hallelujah. Praise God. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, church, God's, God is stirring hearts. God's stirring hearts. Sister Teresa Jones told about being on the airplane, headed to Heritage, and hearing a couple of men talk in the seats behind her. They were saying, you know, I've been studying this thing and said, I just can't, I just can't really figure out, should we be baptized saying Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, or should it be in Jesus' name? And and so she and her husband talked to them after they got off the plane, and they were Mennonites. But but he'd been studying the scripture and seeing that the scripture said something different than what their tradition had always taught them. I'm gonna tell you, God's gonna raise up somebody that's going to love and believe this message. God's going to do it. He's doing it in Africa. By the hundreds, those pastors are leaving their traditions and accepting the truth. We don't have a corner on this market. We don't have a guarantee. I'm going to tell you, and I've I've told those men, and I'm, I'm not the preacher tonight. I'm going to let you go, but... I'm going to tell you one of the most one one of the absolute worst doctrines to ever come into Christianity was the doctrine of once saved always saved because people bought into that hook line and sinker and believe they can just do anything they want to do They've made their profession and now I can live however I want. I, 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 and I'm going to tell you, that's not biblical. It's not scriptural. There is more scripture written to us about how to stay saved than there is about how to get saved. There really is. All of the epistles from Romans all the way through Revelation, all of that's for the saints. It's for those already saved. We've got a job to do. We've got a responsibility. You know, what I tell those men in Africa is this, that there's a difference between a wedding and a marriage. There's a difference between a wedding and a marriage. Now, unfortunately, most people spend far more time preparing for the wedding than they do for the marriage. They'll spend months preparing for the wedding and then the wedding's over in 30 minutes, an hour, whatever. You know, and and the wedding is done. But the marriage, 
according to scripture is what God's joined together no man's supposed to put asunder it's supposed to last it, it takes a lot of work a lot more work to have a successful marriage than it does to have a successful wedding and look salvation's plan Acts 2.38 repent be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins that's just the wedding but then there's a marriage and you know how marriages are successful communication relationship you want a successful marriage you're going to have to have a good relationship. And you know, and I, I said I wasn't going to preach, and here I go. But, but, but in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, and we're not talking about Old Testament scriptures here. Jesus said that on that day, many, many are going to say to me, Lord, Lord, We've prophesied in your name. We've cast out devils in your name. We have done many mighty works in your name. And he's going to say, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. That word means lawlessness. That's what it means. He said, depart from me. And here's the reason why. I never knew you. The interesting thing is that word knew is the same Greek word that's used when the Bible says that Joseph knew not Mary, his wife, until after Jesus was born. That word knew is the same word, and it means a deep, intimate relationship. And that's what Jesus said to those men. You've done great things, but you and I have never had a relationship. That's what he's looking for, saints of God. He's not just looking for you to come and make some verbal confession and then go about living the way you want to live he wants a relationship with us he wants something that's lasting in us and I'm going to tell you in a healthy relationship there's going to be children born in a healthy relationship and I, and, and I know there are sometimes physical limitations but that's why I say the, the healthy relationship not saying you got a bad relationship if there's not I'm just saying there's something genetically or whatever that's not the way God intended it to be but the normal process the normal result of a real relationship is that children are born and it's that way in the kingdom of God if our relationship with him is what it needs to be we will bear children we will bear children God, help us, help us to take this message to heart. Help us to not just walk out of here and forget about it. I hope you'll think about it before you go to sleep tonight. I hope you'll think about it when you wake up in the morning. As you go throughout your day. God, I want to follow those eight steps to revival. I want to see it happen. I want it more than I want life itself. I really do. I really do.
Let's lift our hands and love him one more time. Can we, church? Let's love him one more time. Come on, let's really love him. Let's really love him. God, I thank you that you saved me. But help me, God, to not be content with my own salvation. Help me, God, to reach out to somebody else. Help me, God, to take this message. God, anywhere and everywhere that others may know the joy of this glorious experience. Help us, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Thank you again, Brother Herring. Tomorrow night, there will be a youth rally in Lynn Valley. We do encourage you to go. We'd love for everybody to be there and be a part of it. Uh, we've been doing this this year every three months. Um, this church and the Extension Works um, hosting once per quarter hosting a youth rally in one of the extensions and then once per quarter coming back here and having a jubilee service uh, and um, this Friday night tomorrow night is the quarterly youth rally that's a part of this uh, fellowship of our extension works and so it's important it's important that we go and, and show our support to them so I want to encourage you to go and if you need directions, just let me know. Very, very easy to get there. Very easy to get there. Um, so just let me know. We'll get you some directions. And then let's, let's, let's get out there. There's still quite a few flyers out there. Uh, take those. If I see tomorrow that they're gone, we'll print some more tomorrow. Have them ready for Saturday. Let's spend some time Saturday inviting some people. What do you say? Let's not just be hearers of the word. Let's be doers of the word. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So let's do it. Let's do it. And then Brother Herring will be back again Sunday morning, Sunday night. Praise God. Uh, cleaning team this weekend is my wife. All right. College and career. Make sure that our young people have a ride tomorrow night. Please see that, that is, uh, that's taken care of. And uh, then I would like to, again, for just a few moments, meet with uh, our young people that went to Heritage. I'd like to talk to you again for just a few moments tonight. Um, after we have spoken to everyone, let's head back to my office and take just a few moments. And uh, let me talk to you again. Praise God. God bless you. Greet one another in the fear of God. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.